fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Now we're cooking, we're cooking, we're cooking. Oh my goodness. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. That. It's not Chase. That's not Chase impersonating Hannah this time. It is time. not. It is the actual Hannah Presley herself. The real deal. She's been gone. She actually had an entire, a whole human being. It I was did. inside of her. Yep. And then she birthed it. I did. And now she's here. I'm back. And she's back. And we love it. We missed her so much. I missed y'all. I really did. But I but I also really did enjoy listening to all the guest hosts that we had. They were great. We had they Whitney. So good. We had Chase. We had Cody. You honestly they, weren't gone that long, but it felt like forever. No, but but we also, we need some more guest hosts. We do. Because they, they did a good job. Because we've actually had, I feel like we've had several people say, I, I want to come be a guest. I know two one. people specifically. I know. So. I know. But it will just be three. And I'll, let me tell you, if they're anything like Cody, it's just going to be weird because their mouth is just going to be on the mic while yours is on the mic. Yeah, we only have two mics, so we'll work <laughs> it on that. It is what it is. We'll so New Year's it. happened. It Lots did. of things happened while you were gone, but it just turned into New Year's. Did you Happy make, New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Do you know a single word of that song? Absolutely not. <clears throat> also, I don't have COVID. I tested negative for COVID, but I sound horrible, so I'm just apologizing in advance. Yeah, but what I was going to say was, do you have any um, <clears throat> oh, well, New Year's resolutions? <laughs> no. I, I'm, I like to think about the new year. I like to reflect on the year behind and, and just anticipate the year ahead. But I've come to realize if I set... If I set really specific goals, I won't meet them. Mm-hmm. So I set more of like general goals. Like I want to write more. If I say yeah. I want to write one blog post a week, mm-hmm. not going to happen. But if I just say I want to write more, all I have to do is a little bit more than last year. Right. So the only specific big one I, ideas. I made last year was to read two books a month. And I did that, but I didn't do anything else. I don't also that's like fine. setting specific goals. That's just not my personality. I just feel like that's that's... You're letting yourself down if you set really specific ones. So uh-huh. set them like more broad intentions. Uh-huh. And not even at the new year. You can whenever, make a goal any day you, you want. want. Whenever you want. And I hope this year, I will say a goal for us would be to double our listeners. Oh, that's I a good I would like goal. that. Because we've been really good about consistency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've consistently put out podcasts. You know what they say. Episodes. What do they say? Consistency is good to do. That is what they say. You heard it here first. But I think we're coming back with a banger, really. A classic. A classic. And we we're, had to. And we're we going back to our we're going back to our Grimm brothers root. We are. And and tell them tell them what we're doing. We're talking about Little Red Riding. Oh Hood. boy. Little Red. And we hinted to that because we have a shirt. If you haven't we checked do. out our merch, um Yeah, we dropped we we uh we produced a little red riding sweatshirt before we even did a little red riding episode because mm-hmm. she's quintessential she is Some a might classic say. Mm-hmm. 
So we are going back to one of the very first, one of the scariest stories. Yes, for sure. Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, Brothers Grimm, we just mentioned, they are involved. Their version was called Little Red Cap. I don't like that as well. Yeah. Then Charles Perrault, another name we talk about, also had a version, which he named Little Red Riding Hood, mm-hmm. the one, the name we know it by. But all in all, there have been 58 discovered versions of this tale. That's how you know it's good. That's how you know it's good. Everybody's got a version. So quick synopsis of the most, probably the most like classic traditional version, the, the one that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Little girl in a bright red cloak goes to visit her grandmother who has been eaten by a wolf. The wolf then disguises himself as the girl's grandmother with the intention of capturing her and eating her as well. But a huntsman comes along and cuts the wolf's stomach with an axe, thereby releasing Granny and Little Red. Then they fill the wolf's stomach with rocks so that he can't run away and he dies. Mm. The end. So I got the book sitting here. I pulled out my book of grim fairy tales to read it very quickly. And I was just going to read you a little excerpt. Please do. Because it's very fascinating Story to me. time. Uh, one day her mother said to her, Come, little Red Riding Hood. Here is a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. <laughs> Take them to your grandmother. She is ill and weak, and they will do good for her. Uh, wine? You need some wine to... This is going to make you stronger. That's going to make you stay in bed a little more. Set out before it gets hot, and when you are going, walk nicely and quietly, and do not run off the path, or you may fall and break the bottle. Not concerned that you're okay, gonna... little red. Just don't break this bottle of wine. And then your grandmother will get nothing. And when you go into her room, don't forget to say good morning, and don't peep into every corner before you do it. Wasn't Granny got hiding in the corners? I don't know. She's just a, a hen-pecking mother. There. Seriously, she sounds pleasant. But don't break the bottle. I don't care if you break your leg. Just don't break that bottle yeah. of wine. Priorities. Well, no, no advice about meeting strangers on the road. Nope. But don't no. you break that bottle of wine. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. So I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that kind of like tone from the Mm-mm. story we grew up with. I don't remember this kind of you know, a uh, cold mother, if you no. will. But depending on where you're from, you may have remembered this kind of version. Um, and Little Red might have been Little Dead. Mm. Because in some versions, the tale does not have a happy ending for the girl of the story. She doesn't even make it out alive. Right. So we're going to tell you about some of those. Mm-hmm. In some versions, the victim isn't even a little girl, but a little goat. And in some versions, the villain is not a wolf, but a tiger. I could see a tiger. Okay, but I feel like a tiger eating a goat is just... That's just nature. The, that's just the, the cycle yeah. of life. Uh-huh. The circle of life. Yes. So the question is, did this story evolve from just one single ancient tale, or have authors from around the world independently invented something to use as a scare tactic to keep children out of the woods and away from dangerous animals? A lot of these stories have been created for a certain reason to kind of scare kids into doing something or not doing something teaching them if their grandma's ill bring her a bottle of wine apparently don't don't look into the corners of a room and don't break the bottle in perrault's version it was a cake and a a bowl of butter she was baking something Mm -hmm. cultural anthropologists by the name of dr jamie terrani attempted to answer this question of why this story was developed and what people were trying to to teach from it He found that one theory is that the story originated in China and was brought back to Europe via the Silk Road six to eight hundred years ago. 
But there's another theory that states that folk that the folktale evolved so quickly that all of the different versions had to emerge independently of one another. Dr. Tarani goes on, he used an, a technique known as phylogenic analysis. No, phylogenetic analysis. Sorry, that was a big word. Mm-hmm. Haven't, haven't, I never read haven't the been word. doing this in a while. Phylogenetic analysis to try and pinpoint the origin. Uh, phylogenetic analysis is typically a technique used to reconstruct the evolutionary relationship between species. But uh, this doctor used the method to score the differences between versions of Little Red Riding Hood using 72 different plot points, which I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. They, they took like a very scientific approach to studying literature yeah some of these points so the 72 points that he looked at some of these points uh, would be who played the villain what kind of trickery did the villain use how the story ends etc did they bring her wine did they bring her Her butter butter. was it a girl was it a goat goat. Mm. Uh, the output of the analysis, the analysis of all this is this massive family tree showing the likely relationship between all the different versions of the tale, which I think that would be kind of cool to like see mm-hmm. the how vast the branches go on the tree. For example, if the stories did indeed, did indeed originate in China, then the Chinese version would sprout from the base of the tree and then all the other stories would emerge off as branches off of that trunk that makes sense just like just like a family tree standard ancestry.com situation right Right. ancestry.com but for books Mm -hmm. but after all of this work the results did not support a chinese origin so instead dr terani his work showed that the story seems to have emerged somewhere between europe and the middle east the middle eastern version of the tale is known as the wolf and the kids and the kids and the kids um but it's not children kids it's, it's not no oh, oh. it because the baby uh, goats, baby are, goats kids. are called kids I forgot so. about that. But, um, and a group of ravens are called a murder. a murder we love so in this version the a mother goat leaves her seven children at home or her kids and warns them about an evil wolf in the area she tells them that the wolf will try and trick them into letting him into their house by disguising him as someone else. Sure enough, the wolf arrives and convinces the children to let him in. The kids run and hide, but the wolf finds and eats six of them, and the seventh one is hiding in a grandfather clock. Why does a goat have a grandfather no clock? No idea. I was just about to ask that. When the mother returns home, she finds the seventh kid, and they go outside to look for where the wolf fell asleep under the tree. Or they look, go to look for the wolf and find him asleep under the tree. Mm-hmm. Probably from all that, all, all that, kids. all that goat. The mother then uses scissors. There we go with this. Grandfather clock and scissors. Mm-hmm. Goats don't have opposable thumbs. No, but she she uses scissors mm-hmm. to cut open the wolf's stomach to find her six children still alive, and she fills the stomach with rocks. And later, when the wolf is trying to drink at a well, the heavy rocks inside make him fall over and make him sink into the water or into the water in the well and he drowns and dies not the scissor cut to the abdomen and the bleeding that makes him die no but no no the, of course not yeah no not not cutting you up and pulling six goats out of you but the rocks yeah and like did she sew the rocks back up I don't how know. did they not just fall out of his belly when he was Where walking to a well are her hands how did she use the scissors yeah that's the main takeaway main takeaway 
In China and Taiwan, there's a tale that resembles Little Red Riding Hood. It's called the Tiger Grandma or Grand Aunt Tigress. Sure. Uh, it dates all the way back to the um, the Zing Dynasty. Sure. Q-I-N-G. I don't know. This was uh, dated 1644 to 1912, so they reigned. Long, long they reigned for a long time. The theme and characters of this story are almost identical. However, the main antagonist is a tiger instead of a wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, a wolf and a tiger eating goats just okay. S- they probably seems do normal. in real life, right? Yeah. In Charles Perrault's version in 1881, the wolf exploits the young girl's naivety by asking her to get in bed with him where he then eats her obviously there's no happy ending there no uh and you've obviously got the change from the animal to the human as the victim Mm -hmm. and perot did explain the unhappy ending stating that the story needed to truly scare young girls into staying away from strangers yeah so he was like we aren't going metaphorical here Mm -hmm. we're gonna make it a real girl you're a little dead and you're not little red you're a little dead Mm -hmm. he further went on to state that he chose a wolf as a villain instead of a tiger because of their similarity to humans i don't really get that but okay right He's, he argued that they aren't necessarily noisy or hateful. Yes, they are. They howl at the moon. <laughs> Facts. But he said that they were deceiving with their good looks and their gentleness. I do picture a wolf, like a cartoon wolf, being more cunning than a tiger. Yeah, I think cunning's a good word yeah. for it. But if you if I just looked out my window right and, there and there was a wolf, I would think they're pretty nice guys. Right, and I think it's because maybe because they are descendant from dogs and we view dogs as pets, so... Mm-hmm you're more likely to potentially let a large dog into your home than a Mm -hmm. tiger, maybe. Could be. I'm trying. Not me. I would let all animals in. I know you would. Mm -hmm. Two centuries later, our boys, the Grimm brothers, rewrote Perot's tale and named it Little Red Cap. In one of their early versions, Little Red Cap and her granny encounter and kill a wolf using a strategy supported by their previous experience. Yeah, so in the one I just read, it had... Yeah, which one is this? This is Grimm, isn't uh-huh. it? They had... So she learned the first time. The huntsman came, cut open the stomach. They were relieved. And yeah, there's lived. two wolves. But then they ran into another wolf, and they were yeah. like, this time we got him. And so the wolf came got to the him. house, and he couldn't come in. And so he went up on the roof waiting for them to come out, and they enticed him by using this water that had sausage in it. And when he looked over the, the roof, he leaned over to look into the pot. He fell and died. Wolves apparently in these stories can't swim. Uh, apparently not. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. <laughs> We've got wine, mm-hmm. butter, sausage. He might have drank. He might have drank the wine, he and he got have. a little tips and fell off the roof. Maybe that. It that's the real the story. Of us. We're, we're yeah. going to rewrite it. In older versions from the 14th century, Italy and Austria, they have Little Red being tricked into eating her grandmother. This is the scariest. Of I don't. All. Yeah, I don't like this one. Yeah, she literally eats her grandmother. Yeah, like. Trick cannibalism. Trick cannibalism. Which our true crime, just wait. I eat. Yeah. This is a doozy. Yeah, a little little uh, preview for you there. Mm-hmm. So and uh I don't like yeah, I don't I don't like that one. Mm-hmm. But there you have it. If you want to go read read the whole the whole Austrian or Italian one. Yeah. Little Red eats her grandmother. Um but this time I'm going to bring you a, a little tiny true crime story. Oh, so and she said a little throwing tini- a, little a little twist, tiny onto the true new crime. Year. Well, a lot of these stories are obviously like 
passed down orally and you can trace them back to their original story. But a lot of stories are also inspired by real life events. And they think Little Red Riding Hood was inspired by this old right. guy right here. So we'll tell you a little bit about about a guy named Peter Stump. That last name. It's a it's an unfortunate last name. So Peter Stump, he was a prosperous farmer in the city of Bedburg, Germany. Mm-hmm. This is the late 1500s, and townspeople around Bedburg are just starting to show up dead, dropping like flies. dropping like flies. There were rumors of a wolf-like creature roaming the countryside, killing both humans and livestock alike, because livestock was also dying, and mm-hmm. unexplainably. So this creature, this wolf-like creature, was described as, do you want to read this for us? Uh, quote, greedy, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like unto brands of fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body, and mighty paws. Mighty paws. Mm-hmm. This could have been... The um, werewolf story. Uh, well, I was going to say, this This could have been the uh, the Yeti, the uh, uh-huh. Bigfoot. Yeah, could have been. <laughs> Y'all go check out Cody's Bigfoot episode. Mm-hmm. Could have been Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. For safety, people would only travel in heavily armed bands. Uh, they would all, you know... There's safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would sometimes stumble upon victims' bodies in the fields. This is why they're traveling together. Mm-hmm. So although every effort was made to try to find and kill the creature, it kept eluding them uh, for several years until 1589 when a group of men tracking the wolf with their hounds encircled it. Go, go dun, hounds. Dun, 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 dun. When they went in for the kill, the wolf was nowhere to be seen. And instead, they found Peter Stump. He's Wouldn't an animagus. <laughs> yes, he could be. There's our Harry Potter mm-hmm. reference for the there for the go. episode. Just wait for the office one. I'm sure we'll find it. It will somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. Under the threat of being tortured, Stump confessed to killing 13 children, two pregnant women, and one man. Mm. But that was not even the start of it. He supposedly okay, told his captors that at age 12 he made a pact with the devil with the Prince of Lies getting his soul in exchange for numerous worldly pleasures. Mm. So the devil gave him a magic belt that turned the farmer into a killing machine in the form of a wolf. Okay. So watch out for those magic belts. Mm-hmm. He allegedly took a, quote, she-devil and a, quote, good Christian woman, and he seduced them as mis- his mistresses. They were sister wives. They were, mm-hmm. One of the children he killed uh, was supposedly his son that he had out of wedlock. And it was reported that he devoured his brain. There it There's is. There's some cannib- more mm. cannibalism for you. For his crimes, Peter was obviously sentenced to death. And his execution occurred on, wouldn't you know, October 31st. Halloween. Come on, somebody. Halloween execution. October 31st, 1589. And this was known as one of the most brutal executions in history. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, sure. if you got to be executed, might as well be on Halloween. Yeah, and I'm not sure how the executions are going to top anything that uh, Vlad the Impaler did. But yeah. that's well, we neither here nor there. So Stump was tied to a wheel where his flesh was, quote, torn from his body with red-hot pincers. 
His limbs were then broken with an axe head to prevent him from returning to the grave. Cause they, As if know. tearing the body apart didn't already do that. Right. Because uh, they were just going to go all out because they thought he made a pact with the devil. Mm-hmm. He was then beheaded and burned on a pyre. Mm-hmm. His daughter and mistress were also strangled, flayed, and burned alongside his body. That's, that's unfortunate. Yep. Uh, guilty by association. As a warning to others, local authorities then erected a pole with the torture wheel and a figure of a wolf on it, and at the very top of it, they placed Peter Stump's severed head. You hate to see it. hate to see it. I wouldn't go uh, Mm -hmm. killing people after that. No. We uh, could get into the whole discussion of the history of werewolves, and we'll do that in another episode, Mm -hmm. but... We'll have a whole werewolf episode. We'll do a whole werewolf episode. Uh, creepily enough, readers at the time would not have missed the sexual overtones that are laced throughout this story. Mm-hmm. Um, a little, you know, uh, trigger warning for you here. Uh, after all, the French idiom for a girl having lost her virginity is, my, my friend who's a French teacher is going to mm-hmm. hate me for butchering this, is mm-hmm. a avoid voulez-vous? Sounds voulez-vous. good to me. What does it mean? It, translation, it means she has seen the wolf. Oh, so you, you gotta watch in high school. You're like, oh, you see the wolf. Your card. That's what they say. It's like, oh, no, no, oh, you, oh, you seen the wolf. In, in France, wolf. they're like, oh, you seen a wolf. Wee uh, wee. Oh, oui, oui. uh, in Perrault's version, the wolf asks the little girl to take her clothes off. Not, I mean, not to mention the fact that you know he's hiding in the bed. You know, of mm-hmm. all the places in the house to hide. Got to watch um, the, for and those he wolves. He asked her to take that bed. red cloak off. Yeah. So, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean people people get the picture mm-hmm. they don't they don't miss those uh clues in general this story was a cautionary tale for children to instill fear of quote the beast and that could be anything it could be anything from a wild animal aka don't be in the woods alone or the stranger next door or a creepy sexual predator don't break your grandmother's wine or it could be the wine bottle that you're not supposed mm-hmm. to break Charles Perrault summarized the moral of the story himself, stating, quote, From this story, one learns that children, especially young lasses, pretty, courteous, and well-bred, do very wrong to listen to strangers. And it is not an unheard thing that if the wolf is thereby provided with his dinner. I say, wolf for all wolves are not the same sort. There is one kind with an amenable disposition, Neither noisy, noisy, nor hateful, nor angry, but tame, obliging, and gentle, following the young maids in the streets, even into their homes. Alas, who does not know that these gentle wolves are all, are of all such creatures the most dangerous? Mm, the wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves and sheep. That's why I. I mean, I do think the story feels more impactful, at least to us culturally, as a wolf than as a. The the wolf in the girl is more effective to me than the tiger and the goats yeah i agree so well now you know it was creepy by itself before we even right yeah the history right so now you just but you throw in there that there's a version where little red is tricked into eating her grandmother and mm-hmm. i never knew that there were any disrobing disrobement in yeah. these stories with the little red riding hood taking off her coat yeah so keep it on that. keep it on little red but um, coming up, we have one of the most disturbing true crimes we've ever told. <laughs> Happy New Year. And uh, Starting off strong. But I think we're going to have a little snack break. Just a little one. A little one. Catch you next time. I'm in. In a few minutes. F- yep. 
can't sing this week because oh. I'm sick. And I can't sing snack about it. break. It's, it's a snack. We don't, not a healthy one. Not a healthy one. <laughs> Hannah and I um, were just chomping <laughs> on some oat milk cream pies. If, a, a classic, a classic, mind you. I love oatmeal cream pies. I'm very habitual, so I eat one every morning for breakfast. You and Nick Saban. Uh, yep, Nick Saban eats too. Roll Tide. And he's doing great things. That's what we discussed. And he's just doing great in general. Right. So that's so, why I don't believe this next part. Um, and then sometimes I'll eat one for lunch. And then Hannah was just at my house, and she was like, hey, can I have an oatmeal cream pie? And I was like, sure. But I guess you didn't see my story, Instagram story this morning, because... I did not. I dropped some facts on oatmeal well, cream pies. Well, I did. I saw it, but I didn't. I, w- I wasn't able to listen to it with the audio. And so oh. I, you know, I just thought you were just spreading joy and cheer. Yeah. Okay. I was. I was. About? Because I, I want to say, if you want to eat an oatmeal cream pie, despite what I'm about to tell you, then you do the dang thing. Okay. Sponsor us, oatmeal cream so, pies. So <clears throat> this says, I just found on the internet, oatmeal cream pies are... Uh, unf- <laughs> that night will's kicking in oatmeal cream pies unfortunately this product is plagued with an ingredient that is not so friendly to your abdomen carrageenan uh several studies have found this it's not carcinogen for those that are listening and think i can't read <laughs> i was just um, thinking that <laughs> carrageenan is linked to gi inflammation and elevated risks of colon cancer and it says i told hannah this already it's honestly not worth the splurge which my response Who, was what's the, it cost 25 cents yeah the word splurge does not apply to this snack break i i'm thinking splurge uh splurge is like crumble cookies have you had those yeah yeah Inc- that's a spl- that's that a splurge. is a splurge somebody else posted the other day this whole long thing that had more information than that and i think it has i don't quote me i think it has fertilizer in them which maybe that word you read is just the fancy term for fertilizer right and what i'm said on instagram and is what i'll say right now is we're all gonna die of something i might as well die living happy eating an oatmeal cream pie look if nick saban eats two oatmeal cream pies a day and mm-hmm. he hasn't kicked it yet we're yeah. fine um here's our office office re- reference yes it's i knew it was coming he, uh, michael scott's cooking he likes to cook the bacon on his george foreman next to his bed he said what does he say it's um it's something it's good for me <laughs> it's like no bacon's not good for you and neither oatmeal cream pies but they're but good they for are. your soul they are good for us and this uh snack break is not sponsored by little debbie but we wish it was it's so not but little debbie come on over come on over we'll, we'll take what you got fertilizer uh, and all our next true crime person of interest uh, his favorite thing to eat is not little debbie's oh, oatmeal cream pies a, i wish it was what a transition yeah Actually, it, they are little Debbies. Let me say that. Their Ew. name was... Yeah, you know what I mean? I so do. I'm, okay. Okay, let's do it. Next. Thank you, next. <laughs> I always do this. I go, I'll stare at the screen and I squint my eyes and I say, is it going yet? Yeah. And I think it's going. We're going. Oh, me. Um, this NyQuil is <laughs> doing a number. I'm not sure good. why I didn't choose to take it until after we finished this, but that's okay. You need some time for it's it to because listen, in. if you don't live in Alabama, you don't know. Yesterday, um, or the day before, was it when did it snow? Yesterday, yesterday, during the day, okay, it was 60 degrees. No, this was Sunday night, it yeah, doesn't so. matter. That's irregardlessly, it was 60 degrees outside during the yeah. day. I could have gotten in the swimming pool, and then yes. that night. It snowed. Right. That makes no sense. Right. At all. So now everybody's just, ja- sinuses are jacked up. Jacked up. Yep. 
Um, all right. We're going to tell you a jacked up story. And we that sure are. that is the story of Albert Fish. And he is known as the werewolf of Wisteria. So when we were talking about doing Little Red Riding Hood, I said, I texted Lacey and was like, what what are we going to do for true crime? Mm-hmm. I said, do we know any like werewolf guys? And she said, oh, I know. She said that she knows several. Oh, I do. So she has options several people that are known as the werewolf of, you know, wherever. Right. I don't even know where Wisteria is, but <clears throat> but there there are apparently plenty. There will there plenty will be another guys. one for our werewolf episode. But you know, Perfect. Little Red Riding Hood, wolves, the werewolf of Wisteria. So <clears throat> hold on one second. I'm gonna <clears throat> clear my throat. <clears> throat. Okay. Albert Fish. He was born on. I can't see because I don't know how to fix him. Okay, I see it now. He was born on May nineteenth, eighteen seventy. But he was also known as the Brooklyn Vampire. And the Gray Man. So we got inspiration for vampire episodes. We got inspiration for episodes on gray people. Um, and quite, he's got quite a list of nicknames. Uh huh. His father was seventy-five when he was born. So whew. whoa. And um, Albert okay. was only five years old when he passed away. So not really a fog- father figure in his life, or a fogger figure, is what I just almost said. So this left his mom widowed. And he had three other siblings, which she was unable to afford, so she just left them at the orphanage. Oh. I guess that's what you do back then. You can't I, afford I, them, you leave them. At the fire station. Mm-hmm. To make things even more difficult, Albert suffered from a mental illness at a very early age, as did many of his family members. One of his brothers ended up in an asylum. Uh, his uncle suffered from mania, and his mother had vis- visual hallucinations. And Yikes. as we all know, mental illness runs in, can run in the family. So, Albert's mental illness was only exacerbated by the fact that his mom placed him ha- in an orphanage at a young age where the workers were known to abuse the children, and then sometimes they even encouraged the children to abuse one another. Oh. Yep. That's horrible. But while most children were terrified of punishment, I know I was. Oh, Same. I would run and hide under the table when my oh, mama yeah. came out with that belt. Because Mine yeah. was a wooden spoon, but well, I, it, it was effective just to show it to me. I wouldn't even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no need to use it. I just, the sight of it scared yeah. me. But um, this pain, it, it didn't scare Albert. He actually loved it. No. And he said that these whippings aroused him. No. Even at a young age. Mm. In 1879, his mother was fortunately able to hold a steady job, and she was able to take him out of the orphanage and back home, but the damage was already done. And at the age of 12, Albert began a relationship with a telegraph boy, which is all good and fine, except for the fact that this boy taught Albert about sexual practices that included eating human waste. Nope. I don't know what that's called. Nope. Uh, not in not you do in, you but no nope I d- actually i don't feel like that's just safe for society in general absolutely not spread of disease and stuff eventually his sadomasochistic tendencies led him to an obsession with sexual self-mutilation and no. he enjoyed doing this to himself so he would regularly embed needles into his groin and abdomen and flog himself with a paddle that he had um, inserted nails into so a nail studded paddle S- silver lining i will say i'd rather him do that to himself than to someone else yes it doesn't last that long yeah great when he was 20 he moved to new york city where he became a prostitute and it is also around this time that he also started raping young boys so that's one thing to do you and like be a sex worker i think they decriminalized that in new york recently but when you turn to abusing younger people helpless people there's a line there's a lot of lines 
and Albert saw, sees none of them. So, despite all of this, Albert's mother had arranged for him to be married, and in 1898, he married a woman who had he had six children with. So, okay. in 1910, while working as a house painter, Albert began another one of these very wild relationships, but it was with an intellectually disabled man. So, this man's name was Thomas Kedden, and only 10 days into their relationship, Fish lured Kedden to an abandoned farmhouse, and when Kedden arrived, he found himself locked inside, and Albert was there to torture him. So, he tortured him for the next two weeks, including castrating him. Oh. And after the two weeks were over, Fish left Kedden with a $10 bill. kind of like, thank you for your troubles. I'll be along my way. Okay. So, he survived, ten, ten as far bucks. as I saw but without his stuff so there you go yikes in 1917 fish's wife left him for another man good for her and after this his self-harm grew more intense he was pressing more needles into his groin and he would also you see hannah he would get wool and he would douse it in lighter fluid and then stick the wool inside of his butt and set it on fire (laughs) she's just no reaction Speechless. I'm telling you, the human mind. I was about to say. It's a thing. Never heard of that. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where you would begin to come up with that idea. I don't understand. He also began to have hallucinations just like his mother. And he later recalled at one point wrapping himself up in a rug. And he said that that was by the instructions of John the Apostle. Okay. Yep. He eventually developed an obsession with cannibalism. So here we go, tying that into the... Oh, no, the, the, the Italian version of a little red eating right. grandma. And as a precursor for this, because he didn't start with humans, he would eat raw meat, which he also taught his children to do. So um, I don't have anything to say about that. That's, <laughs> raw that raw meat to a gateway <clears throat> drug for cannibalism? Right, right. Uh, oh, hold on, I lost my voice. Did you hear that? I did. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm going to cut that or not. You're welcome. In 1919, Albert became homicidal because before then he was only hurting himself and... Things intensified. Well, he was raping children, but he wasn't killing people. He began to look for vulnerable children at first, and these included intellectually disabled orphans or homeless black children because he assumed that these were people that wouldn't be missed. So he's also racist. Okay, but and that's all banned if he's preying on... um, children uh, orphans with mental illnesses i mean that was him mm-hmm. for a period of time so right. i told you there's a lot of lines he doesn't see a single yeah. one of them so what he would do is he would scour advertisements in local papers put out by families looking for someone to perform housework or by young men looking for work in general and it is through one of these advertisements that he found young grace bud which is just a friggin adorable name yeah Grace's father had put an ad in the newspaper trying to find his son some work, and Albert saw this ad and visited the family's home under the lure that he would hire the son. But while he was there, he noticed Bud's 10-year-old daughter, Grace, and they were working on an arrangement for the brother to come work for him. During that time, this is nuts to me, it was just a different time back then, Albert told the Buds that he would he was later going to be going to a birthday party for his niece and asked if Grace could come, and the parents were like, sure absolutely that's like a random contractor coming to my house and my child being there and him being like i'm going to my niece's house later no (laughs) that's worse than somebody than the the van with the candy yeah just going straight to the kid you're going through the parents right so grace went with him and she was never seen again 
Albert took Grace to his home in upstate New York, and he kind of distracted her by saying, oh, look at all these pretty flowers outside the house. And while she was outside picking the flowers, he went inside into an upstairs room where he took off all of his clothes so as to not get blood on them, and then he called her inside. And when she came inside, just at the sight of him, she screamed, but he grabbed her before she could flee. And the only reason we know what happens next is because seven years later, Albert wrote a letter to Grace's parents detailing his crime, which it's one thing to murder someone. It's another thing to murder someone's child. It's another thing to then write a letter describing that murder in detail. Yeah. You can look the letter up online. It is one of the most disgusting, deplorable things I have ever read. I'm not going to look it up. And he sent it to her mother and she had to read it. But just a quote from that to just you what happened he said quote first i stripped her naked how she did kick bite and scratch i choked her to death then cut in her cut her in small pieces so i could take the meat to my rooms cook and eat it it took me nine days to eat her entire body and if that was not gruesome enough just i'm saying it's so much worse yeah i that and alone is enough um and it's very long it's a pretty long letter so yikes it was this letter that would later be his downfall. They were able to track him I was about to say, this. was this before or after he got caught? Right. The paper he had written the letter on happened to be a piece of stationery from New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. Oh, the old NYPCBA? You know them? <laughs> yeah. Um, police inquired with the company and found that the paper had been left behind by a janitor from the company at a rooming house he had been staying in. Except now Albert Fish had moved into renting that room, and upon hearing that, Al- and upon hearing that and connecting it, they spoke with uh, the Bud family, and they gave him a description of the man. Albert fit that description, so they set up an interview, and just immediately he confessed. But he also admitted to killing dozens of other children. But in the end, only three, including Grace, could be concretely proven to be his victims. But I think he was quoted as saying, "I have a child in every state." Ooh. Yep. So he is also believed to be responsible for the death of a four-year-old boy named Billy Gaffney. Um, Billy was playing with his friend, Billy Beaton, in the hallway of his apartment building on February 11th, 1927. Both boys went missing, but Billy Beaton was eventually found on the roof of the apartment building. And when asked what happened to him, he said, or asked what happened to his friend Billy, he said, the boogeyman took him. Oh. Yeah. That's terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. A man by the name of Joseph Meehan reported seeing fish on the trolley that day with a little boy who was crying for his mother. He then said that he just saw him like the boy was kicking and screaming and he took him off the trolley against his will. So police were able to to match this description of the child to Billy Gaffney, but unfortunately his body was never found. Probably because he ate it. Right. I wasn't even thinking that, but you're probably right. And I think he did because here we go. Billy's mother visited the prison to speak with Fish and get more details on what happened to her son, and he also confessed to her and wrote some more disgusting stuff. Um, Again, you can read that online if you want to. I don't know why you would want to. But essentially, he tortured Billy Gaffney, dismembered him, and then cooked and ate his body. So, yeah, that's why they couldn't find him. Yeah. The last murder he was officially tied to was that of Francis McDonald, who was eight years old. Francis was playing on the porch with his mother when they saw a gray-haired, frail, old-looking man walk down the street, and he was muttering to himself. That's like anytime you go to downtown Birmingham. Oh, yes. Just, yeah. Don't, everyone don't, has schizophrenia, yeah. unfortunately. The mother noticed his awkward demeanor but did not report anything, and later that day, while Francis was playing at the park, 
His friends noticed that he walked into the woods with an elderly gray-haired man. And when his family noticed that he was missing, they organized a search. And Francis was unfortunately found under some branches in the woods, badly beaten and strangled with his his suspenders. Which, just the fact that he was wearing suspenders is so cute. I know, that's sad. The trial of Albert Fish for the premeditated murder of Grace Budd began on Monday, March 11th, 1935 in White Plains, New York, and the trial lasted for 10 days. He pleaded insanity and claimed to have heard voices from God telling him to kill children. Several psychiatrists testified about Fish's sexual fetishes, including coprophilia, urophilia, and pedophilia, but they were in a disagreement as to whether these activities meant he was insane. And like we talked about this before in other episodes, somebody can be insane, but still... But still held responsible. Yeah. The defense's chief expert witness was Frederick Wertham. He was a psychiatrist with a focus on child development, and he came to the conclusion that Fish was insane. And I I would agree. He's insane. Oh, yeah. That's very clear. Oh, I don't... But he still... doubt that. I still feel like he knew what he was doing. still responsible. Well, you do it that many times, Mm -hmm. too. Like, at, at some point some you were yeah you made decisions right initially wordham thought that fish could be lying about the extent of his own self-harm so he had him x-rayed and what i'm about to show you because oh, i have a you're picture gonna show me yeah some? oh no and found 29 needles in fish's pelvic region and i'll post this on instagram look at that no it's not it's an x-ray you can't look at all those needles just all up in his pelvis because I imagine he stuck him in there and then, like, pulled him out and just poked himself. You're wasting needles doing it that way. Ew. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? We'll post it on Instagram. We'll post that one. <laughs> Hit his mouth agape. Right. No words. Another defense witness was Mary Nicholas. She was Fish's 17-year-old stepdaughter, and she described how Fish taught her and her brothers and sisters a game, I'm using air quotes, where Fish would get down on his hands and knees and have the children sit on his back. And then he would have the children hold up a certain number of fingers and he would try to guess how many fingers he was holding up, they were holding up. And if he got it wrong, which he always did, he would then make the children spank him as many fingers as they were holding up. So there's that. Ew. The jury found him to be sane and guilty and the judge ordered the death sentence. And he was executed on January 16th, 1936, via the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison in New York. He entered the chamber at 11.06 p.m. and was pronounced dead three minutes later. He was recorded to have said that electrocution would be, quote, the supreme thrill of his life. See, because he likes pain. Yeah, then then don't, don't reward him. Right. I feel like the worst thing for him could have been sitting in prison in like solitary confinement for the rest of his life yeah yeah just before the switch was flipped he stated quote i don't even know why i'm here that also proves that he's insane right and legend has it hannah that his execution took longer because of all the needles inserted into his, his privates which disrupted the flow of electricity yeah ew Fish was allowed to chronicle the details of his many abductions and murders before he died. However, his attorney said that he could never release them, stating, quote, I will never show it to anyone. It was the most filthy string of obscenities that I have ever read. And here, right here, is old fish man in the electric chair. Yikes. Because yeah. he, he, he looks unassuming. He does, but he also has that. He has dead eyes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, but he just looks, in that picture, he just looks like a... Oh, and he just yeah. looks like let's go i'm ready i'm just yeah. waiting for my afternoon tea yeah 
Oh, that is the story of Albert Fish, the werewolf of Wisteria. Which I don't really know. Which that proves my point. You said he looks unassuming. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is what Charles Perot was saying. Yeah. So, bless Grace Bud and um, Billy Gatney and the other person, Francis McDonald. And all the the other ones 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 that he probably... I mean, I have no doubt that that there was more yeah, than those three. You, when you're that mentally unwell, you do more than three. Well, and and if he confessed to the, I mean, yeah. I, I don't doubt that that there's more. All right, but we're not going to go look for him. No, 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 no. What a way what to a bring way it back. To, what a way to. I told to Hannah start I wouldn't want to talk about cannibalism. Cannibalism with uh, Cannibal, his, what is it? Cannibalism. I'm thinking of uh, cantalilies. Mm-hmm. Nope. That is that? You wouldn't want to talk about any... Or cantellini about- soup. You ever had that? I have not. It's, it's a good soup night. Huh? It is a good soup night. night soup. I would love to have some soup with you. Uh, Next we? snack break. Next snack break. Uh, can we? Can we? Uh, if you haven't yet, follow us on Instagram at... Scary Tales Podcast. Mm-hmm. You can, there's a link tree on there that Hannah set up. You can go get you a shirt. Get you a, a you Little Red Riding Hood sweatshirt. Do it now. Wear it. You know, you'll just basically be a walking advertisement, mm-hmm. not only for Scary Tales, but for the tale and the moral of Little Red Riding Hood, which is, Beware. don't forget to take the wine to your grandmother when she's that, sick. That's it. That's the only one. And I can't, I haven't confirmed this with Hannah, but if you're a student of hers and you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure she said you could have 50 <laughs> bonus points if you get a merch piece. Yes, direct and quote. don't And don't tell them that, because you'll know they listen know to it. I'll know listen. Yep, you'll get an A+, plus and you can thank your Aunt Lacey. You're welcome. Perfect. Thank you All for right. that. I don't know what we're doing next, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. And thanks it's gonna for be listening. A, it's going to be a good year. It is. Thanks for listening in 2022, and let's let's do it. Let's do it. We haven't done this in a while. All righty. Bye-bye. You want to open up cream pie? Another one? Yeah. Okay, good. Me too. Bye. Bye. Bye.